Biz Women Rock, episode 198. Oh my God, we're almost at 200. Woohoo! What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast, your home for amazing, very real stories about phenomenal businesswomen in all sorts of different industries over all sorts of different parts of the world who are here to share the real stories of how they've grown their businesses so that you can take some practical ideas and go implement them in your business. Now, if you're just starting your business, there's an amazing resource that you can tap into. It's called How to Launch Your Brand Online. It is an ebook that I created just for you. If you want to make sure that your business is represented very well and very effectively in the online space, including on a website, uh, on a blog, on social media, then being able to follow these very simple steps to be able to build up a customer base that is dying for exactly what you got That's what this book is all about. Go find out more at bizwomenrock.com. Today's guest is Lisa DeLorme, and she's the co-founder of a company called Rinse, Frock, Repeat. If you've ever heard of a company called Rent the Runway, it's a very similar concept, um, except she's very Canadian-based. She's got a great story as to why she actually started the company. She has no history in fashion, no history in e-commerce, which is what this original company model was, um, and yet she has built a tremendous company uh, since she opened her e-commerce stores in 2011. They do about 300 rentals per month. You, This is basically going and renting dresses for whatever upcoming events that you have so you don't have to spend money like hundreds of dollars on a really nice dress that you're going to wear once. So um, this, I'm going to start by saying that this is a two-part interview because every once in a while, man, there is just, we're so deep into really great content and I don't want you to miss out on it. So I just keep going. (laughs) But I do respect your time. So I want to make sure to kind of like divvy it up for you if you need it. They'll come out both at the very same time. So if you want to listen to it back to back, great. If not, make sure you're coming back and listening to part two tomorrow or at another 30 minutes that's convenient for you. Uh, We go into how she moved from an e-commerce model into an actual kind of like store model opening showrooms around Canada and why she made that transition, uh, what that's meant for her business model, and how she went, she and her partner went from uh, being, the two of them were the only investors in the company. They were, you know, the starters of the company and they recently, last year, brought on investors. And so we talk about why that happened kind of a little later on in the game and how that's transitioned things for them. Um, The overall sort of theme of this entire conversation is do research and know your market and you will be flabbergasted at how well Lisa and her partner have done that for their business and how it's totally led them to exactly what they should be doing and how they should be doing it. No matter what their personal thoughts were about it, they really did their research and listened to their market. And the very last like two minutes of this uh, of this interview, which would mean that it's going to be on part two, will completely blow your mind. I mean, just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I obviously really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm jumping up and down right now because just I'm so energetic after this conversation. You're going to love Lisa. She's got a lot to share. 
um, and a lot of things to learn from. So let's get going. Lisa, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the Biz Women Rock podcast this morning. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited that you're here. Um, I have to tell you that I love, love, love your business model because once I, when I first sort of heard about like dress rentals, um, I just, like I sat back and probably much like many other women were like, oh my God, that is the smartest idea ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank yeah. God I don't have to go through the hassle of going and finding this dress and trying out on like a, a hundred dresses and then buying it when I'm going to use it once. And it just made so much sense. You created the first e-commerce uh, rent dress rental business in Canada that was really exclusively for Canada. And I'd love to really hear about the story behind that because you guys have just had tremendous growth and continue to grow really well. So can you tell a little bit of the backstory as to why you started in this business? Like what kind of stuff were you doing beforehand? Yeah, it, it literally came out of necessity, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that little piece in, in a bit. But my background was uh, basically in sales. I had an English degree, you know, it's a typical, graduated from high school, what am I going to do? I can be a teacher, lawyer, doctor at the time is what I thought my <laughs> choices were, um, you know, and ended up going to university here in Canada, had an English degree and thought maybe I would teach. And the long-term goal was maybe I'd become a professor for some reason. That was sort of the focus. And then reality hit. I had an English degree. I was out on the market. I think I was waitressing for a little bit. He was even doing some pipeline construction work just to pay the bills and pay my student loan back. And mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, um, you know, I, I, I fell into sales by mistake. Um, an opportunity came up and I, I started working in the sales area. And eventually, you know, my first corporate job, I would say, was, was working with Xerox. I was, you know, um, uh, pushing photocopiers and printers and stuff. This was probably back in 95. And then started working for Coca-Cola and just kind of continued to make my way into that sales and marketing area. And then found myself in for-profit education, actually. Started working for, for a big U.S. company called Education Management Corporation. Mm-hmm. And I was with them for 10 years and really enjoyed it. And, you know, as far as the corporate ladder goes, um, you know, I just kept trying to climb and climb. It was almost like, oh, yeah, every time there was an opportunity for growth on a professional level, I put my hand up and started traveling around and enjoyed it. I enjoyed my role. I enjoyed the job. Um, you know, I think I excelled at it really, I did really well, but I just got to this point where I felt like I had sort of heard, hit that ceiling as far as what I was learning and how I was growing and, you know, things, things were good. I mean, financially things were good and, but I just, I knew I was getting to a point point. there was two big things that were happening. Katie, I was turning 40 okay. <laughs> and I had been with the company for 10 years and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because it was the round numbers that kind of made me feel like, you know, I have this chance to, to reset. Um, but the company was, um, was um, making some cuts, but for good reason, actually. They had grown so quickly and so that we had a lot of redundancy in roles, and they were kind of looking and saying, God, we're doing so well. How do we readjust here? And they started thinking about putting packages together for people, and I sort of sat on that team to help us make a decision on how to go and, and what direction to take. And when I saw the package, I thought, hmm, that package looks kind of interesting. <laughs> Maybe I, I should show, you know, I was like, yep. So I put my hand up and said, you know what, I think I'd be one of those people that, that, that wants to take the package. And I had no plans in mind. 
Like, I literally was like, I always say when I look back on it, it wasn't a midlife crisis. It was sort of a midlife awakening. For hmm. 15 years, I had I had really just focused on next steps. What's next? What's next? What's the next job? And I enjoyed it. And like I say, I never look back and regret any, but I just never stopped to think. I'm not, I always say, if I describe myself, I'm like a bull in a china shop. You know, if, if there's an opportunity to do something, <laughs> I'm moving forward, get out of my way. But never really stop to think, what do I want? What do I want my life to be? And what do I enjoy? And, you know, if I had to spend, you know, 70 hours doing something a week since I'm working almost those hours, you know, what do I really want that to be filled with? And I didn't know. So I just said, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to quit and I'm going to take some time to think. And my, uh, my ex-husband said to me at the time we were still together and he said to me, you know, I give you like two weeks. And so I'm very competitive. So after three weeks, (laughs) (laughs) you just had to beat him out, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So after I picked like every weed in the backyard and rearranged the house and, you know, I just, I realized, um, I'm, I'm much happier when I am doing something that I did try to do the, the yogi thing. And I even started doing yoga. So I, you know, this is going to help me relax and think through some things. And, but the conclusion I came to was I'm just happiest when I'm busy and I'm working on things and I'm working on a team and I'm growing something. And although the, the money's helped from a lifestyle perspective and it's, you know, given me security and those, you know, things that I've been able to do for my family or friends. And it, it was all good stuff, but it just, it wasn't the money I was chasing. And so I, I, one day, and this is how we ended up opening the company. I'd been working with a, my business partner, Christy, who had become a friend. We, we worked together before and we fast became friends and we'd always said we should start something together, but we just didn't know what that was going to be. And from our experience, it's not like I was going to open up a, you know, a bottling plant and start doing Coca-Cola from an industry (laughs) perspective. You know, I wasn't interested in creating the new printer or photocopier. um, And so we just didn't know what it was and we were invited to a wedding. And so the invitation came in and we both looked at each other and I was like, oh, the last thing I want to do is go out and spend money on a dress right now. And Christy had, you know, different size dresses. She was complaining like, oh, I lost weight. I put on weight. I have different sizes. Nothing seems to be appropriate. We were just really, like, mad. It was like, oh, I can't believe I have to go out and do this. That negative anger to that awesome wedding invitation. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, um, And so I was flipping through a shape magazine. I remember it like it was yesterday, and we were sitting across the table from each other, and I was flipping through, and we were chatting, and I saw an ad for a dress rental company out of the U.S. Everybody probably knows that that's listening to, you know, Rent the Runway. It was fantastic. We did the same thing. We're like, this is, oh, my God, these girls are so creative. And, that, you know, who, why hadn't we thought it? And not even from that perspective, but why hasn't somebody just come up with this sooner? That may still make sense. And then, um, you know, from a Canadian perspective, this happens to us a lot. We go to use the service, and maybe it's not available yet in Canada. Right. And so I just kind of looked at Christy across the table and it was like everything kind of just came together, like all those moments that we had talked about. And I said, this is it. Like, I think this is what we should do. There was just something from a business perspective that made sense. I thought, you know, I hate selling something I don't believe in, or I hate selling something just to get people to buy. It was literally like, wow, this actually provides a service that we all need. It makes sense financially wow, we can even have access to something maybe even more beautiful that we, you know, even if we could afford it, would we invest in a six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollar dress? Right. And it was better for the environment. And we were like, 
wait a minute. And then we're like, what's, what's off? So we started running the business plan and the financial numbers and putting together the plans. And we brought it to something in Canada called the Business Development uh, Bank of Canada. It's the BDC. And they help you develop things and just kind of gave it to the accountants and said, you know, hey, take a look at this. Okay. And they were, when we knew we could get accountants excited about a business model <laughs> for fashion in Canada, we knew we were on to something. Even the guys there said, I can't believe it, but the guys in accounting go, this totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we did all that, it was literally from that moment that we had seen that the wedding was in April, and 13 months later, we opened our doors. We put together the e-commerce site and started buying dresses and even started to figure out the fashion industry because that wasn't our background. So mm-hmm. we had quite a learning curve over those 13 months. Now, are, are you or your partner like tech savvy or did you have to start hiring somebody out right away to be able to build the website? Because that needs to be a pretty decently robust website in order to take orders, make sure you have all of the, you know, these beautiful pictures of the dresses up there. Like what mm-hmm. what sort of, um, you know, kind of steps did you have to take to kind of put that together? Yeah, we actually, we outsource that piece. So that's a great question. I get asked that a lot because we're not, you know, neither, we don't have a CTO on our team right now. We looked and we were, we're actually still going through that process saying how much, how, how much more do we outsource and when do we bring somebody on board and what does that right. look like? Because, you know, Christy and I have very different strengths. Um, so I, I'm sort of more big picture and, you know, and bringing on investors growth, what product categories, what markets should we go in? When do we expand? Christy's, you know, very deep detail-oriented. It's about day-to-day operations, making sure nothing's falling through the cracks. So we really complement each other that way, but there's still definitely that skill set. If we're going to be an e-commerce company, you know, it's it's the ease there for a reason, and we got to figure that out. So our decision from the beginning was we had a certain amount of money, you know, to start the business, and we knew that this wasn't going to be ongoing. We also knew that what we put in probably wouldn't be what we would need longer term, but we knew we had to build something robust from the very beginning because we had seen some other people as we started to explore this model. We had seen other, you know, girls really that seemed to be drawn to this model try to do this but not put the full e-commerce aspect into place. And I think that that was the decision we had made up front. Here's this, you know, we have this finite amount of money, what does it need to do? And for us, the two big decisions from a business perspective was we need to look sizable. So when people come to the site, we want them to think, oh, you know, they have as many options as X, you know, if I walk into, uh, well, Nordstrom's just moved up here, so we'll give Nordstrom since maybe a lot of the listeners might be from the U.S. But, you know, we just, we knew people couldn't come and put in their slides and have five options come up as a result. Right, right. And so there was a piece of us that looked at it and said, okay, we have to make that inventory decision and we're going to have to spend a lot of money on inventory. But the other piece is they need to know that they can trust us and we need to look real. So also, if they go to the site and we're basically just a site that lists the dresses and says, call us to find out more, or, you know, even if we listed prices, but they couldn't figure out if the dress was available or not, and and be able to look for themselves and say, you know, here's my event date, here's when I need the dress, is it available, is it in my size, how can I order it, how can I go through the checkout process, we knew that those are the two things that if we didn't offer that up front, we wouldn't have the opportunity to grow. Mm. And so, we knew we didn't have the skill on the team, so that's what made us decide 
a couple, for a couple of reasons we outsourced. One, we needed more than just one person. We weren't prepared to take on a, an, an additional partner, and we right. thought that early in the game, that's what we probably have to do. If we hired somebody, you know, is it just a developer that you get? There's the user interface and user experience, and there's all this other stuff that we knew enough to read about and said, you know, what do you need? And that that's mostly a team. It's not one person. Right. And so for us, the right decision was to outsource. So we, we started with an agency that we were able to even really pay as much attention to the brand as we did to the back end. So what does that front end look like? What, you know, what do we want people to think when they come to the site? Maybe you notice we use like everyday models. Some of them are our friends. We use different size models. And that was part of our brand. You know, we wanted to be a place from a price point that people said, you know, I want to be accepted. I want to walk through the door and not feel like I'm walking into some high-end boutique that I don't know anything about fashion and I'm going to feel strange. So that was part of the technical requirements too, that branding piece, you know, where are they going to read about us? What sections are going to have content where they can pick up on that brand? And so we thought that's really a team. And so we started by outsourcing. We hired them in October of 2010 and they had until May to get the site up and running. So we did six months of development and then we were up and running. Wow. (laughs) So, um, one of the things that is absolutely critical in addition to your, you know, really, amazing website is you need to have inventory that people are actually going to want to rent. So what has been your strategy, and perhaps it's evolved over these years, but what has been your strategy to source really great dresses that you know are going to go off the shelves, you know, that you know that they're going to get rented multiple times, you're going to get your investment out of them. And, and it's what it, but it's still a wide enough diverse range of fashion to where you can attract so many different types of people. What has been your strategy on that? Well, we said, you know, at first it was even finding out who's really going to be this market. So I'll start sort of a step back and say, we actually did focus groups. And I'll tell you, here's a mistake I made. So for anybody listening, these things are going to happen to you and it's okay. It's all about learning along the way. But since Rent the Runway was sort of the model we had been looking at, we'd been paying close attention and saying, how did they do this? And God, they're bright girls and mm-hmm. they've got a big team. We, we should be able to learn from this. And so when we looked at it, we noticed there seemed to be a younger focus on there. So, you know, I don't know if it's a reflection of the co-founders. Christy and I are in our mid-40s. When we started the company, we are just over like 41, 40, 41. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the girls for Run the Runway are, you know, I think they were in their late 20s. Right. And so, you know, it, and that plays a part. It always does, regardless if we think it doesn't. You know, there's a piece of us that filters things through a certain way. And so we kept looking at the site and we said, well, it's got a little bit of a younger market and it seems to be very fashion-focused. And, you know, so we, we were paying close attention but we said, you know what, let's do focus groups. Let's, you know, one of the things I had learned being in a different country, but having worked with an American company in the past is, you know, even though our country seems very similar and we both speak English, there are some regional differences. There's, yeah. you know, some national differences. And, and so what are those things going to be? So when we, we hired a company to do focus groups, we brought in a younger age, a younger demographic, sort of an 18 to 24. And then we brought in a different sort of 28 to 55 group. And in those focus groups, it, they told us the younger market's not going to use the service. Really? And, yeah, and which was interesting because to me, and this is where I said I made the mistake, that the idea was, well, you know, are, are they going to events? And if they are going to events, how many are they going to? And so it's kind of played out that way, even though we still, we heard it, but, you know, you get influenced because you see, you know, God, at the time, I think they had raised $55 million, and I'm like, who, who am I to say differently? Like, they the should, runway had? 
got to have a sense. Yeah. Got so, it. you know, we when we were looking at our, our, our purchases, there's a little piece of us that kind of felt like, okay, we need to be a little bit fashion forward. This is a fashion company. This is about dresses. It's about fashion. And it's the exact opposite of what it's become. <laughs> so I'll put that into perspective. Um, they, um, you know, when we first started working with, um, we noticed, so we started in my basement. When we did our first purchase, we kind of we bought a little bit of everything. We we bought we did a spreadsheet and said, do we have enough color? Do we have enough black? Do we have enough sleeve? No sleeve. So we knew it would be sort of a test, um, you know. And when we bought different things, we said, well, you know, somebody might be attracted to this. We bought a dress that Christy and I, when it was sent to us, we we took it out of the box and I said, you must have picked this one. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, no, you picked that one. We just couldn't believe. We're like, who picked this? It's so not ugly, but it just wasn't our taste. And it it's turned out to be one of our top five rentals. You're kidding and, me. Yeah, so you learn sort of, and it, it became who the market was. And our market, don't know if it's, again, a Canadian-U.S. difference, but our market and the ones that we have our lifetime value from and that use us most often are professional women that need to go out to these events because they have to. Right. It's part of their job. They're networking. Then throw in their holiday party. Then maybe throw in a family wedding. But when you're looking at a lifetime value and you want women to, you know, rent from you four or five times a year, who are they? Who's because what's driving dress rentals is not a love of fashion. It's a I need it because I have to go to an event. Right, and I don't so want to. I don't want to invest in multiple hundreds of dollars in a dress I'm going to wear once. Exactly, right. So, you know, and then when you look at it, so even the younger group, and it's not that we won't focus them on them, but when you have, again, a finite amount of money, you don't have $55 million like Rent the Runway, you know, you start making, you start looking at it and saying, okay, well, I even need to put my own personal tastes aside because I'm not focusing on me. Christy and I like shopping. We are fashion, you know, we, we, you know, we don't, we walk down the street in our jogging pants like anybody else, but we had an interest. Friends would come to us and say, hey, I'm going to this. Would you come to the mall with me and help me pick something out? So we had an interest. We liked flipping through magazines. If we did something together on the weekend, a lot of times it would be, hey, let's go out to anthropology and let's go out to the following. We're just, we love those places. But the women that we were attracting... And we didn't know this until we opened up our first showroom because we were an e-commerce site. So we started in May of 2011. We opened our e-commerce doors. We had tons of PR. People were coming to the site. We had tons of visitors coming. But the rentals were coming a little bit more slowly, and we were kind of scratching our head and, and saying, okay, what is it? And then we'd get emails, love the company, love the concept. Oh, my God, there's a dress I fell in love with, but can I try it on? Mm. Can I try it on? Wow. Can I please try it on? And so Christy and I looked at it and I said, look, we need to make money. We were in the basement of my house. And at one point I said to, I finally said to women, because we had started mostly in Toronto, that's where we were, our roots were set, where the PR was coming from. And they were picking up the phone and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to let you in on secret. Um, we operate out of my house. And if you want to come try on the dress, you can come and use my master bedroom. By the way, I have two dogs. <laughs> One might bark at you when you come through the front door. <laughs> so, and the thing was, you know, they wanted to. Wow. And I was like, okay, you know, this is, it's so, so it's not the, mo- the model's working and they love that the price point there and they love that it makes sense, but they just, you know, the difference between our e-commerce company and others, and this is what we have to pay attention to when we open the own place. This is not like a pair of shoes that you can order, ship it. If it doesn't fit, you just send it back. Right, right. You know, this is, I have an event. I only get the dress for four days. If it doesn't fit, I'm running around last minute trying yeah. to figure out what I need to do to make this this work so right? it's more of a timing so, issue than anything else absolutely yep. so you know we've even played with models of 
could we ship the box ahead of time? Uh, shipping's a little bit different in Canada. It's much more expensive than the U.S. We have a bigger geography, not as much of a population to support financially. The you know, So we pay a little bit more for those things. So we started playing with that stuff, but finally I said to Christy, okay, you know, my husband's going to kill us. We've got to get out of the house. We had interns coming in and out, dogs, you know, customers. I said, after three months, I was like, let's find at least some, some workspace, and maybe we have a couple of change rooms that if women really want to, they have a place that they can come in and do this. And it changed our world, right? Wow. Like they started coming in. We could interact with our clients. We knew we could ask more questions. There's data we could get on the site, and we were capturing good data like, you know, when's your birth date and what size are you? And when they were ordering, we were getting certain things. We could see how often they came to the site. So all that data that you need to collect anyway. But sometimes there's questions you're not asking. Like, you know, if somebody's renting a dress, are they going to tell you what they do for a living? Right. Seems like an odd question, you right, know? Right. And so we could get that information whenever they were coming in, and we started booking things by private fitting appointments. And so it just really changed, and that started changing, back to the original question, what we were buying. Because what we did notice is our focus groups were right. Like, we had to pay attention. Sometimes you just have this thought in your mind, yes, we could get prom, but there were sort of that one time a year Right. They come in, you go to find that prom market, and then they disappear because after prom, they don't need a $500 dress. They're going to go out to H&M and buy themselves a $60 dress that's going to work because they, you know, it, that, that's what they do, right? right? right. Um, they're not, a $600 dress doesn't even make sense. And even to rent one for $100 might be like, well, why would I do that? I could buy that for $100. Exactly. The quality, you know, not that they can't pick out quality, but at the same time, if they're going to do it, it's only going to be for aspiration. But what event are they going to anyway? Right, exactly. You know, what are they doing at 19 years old that's going to require them to wear a $600 or a $1,000 Hervé Léger for the night? There's, you know, other than maybe prom, and I don't know that they're wearing Hervé Léger there. So the, <laughs> the information we got was correct. What I did notice and what I've read recently even from Rent the Runway, and this is where we could do our, our growth and our market strategy, is that they are looking at um, their number one um, event is weddings. And I would say our number one event that's rented for is galas and um, fundraisers. And mm-hmm. so we do we do see that older clientele that is a you know a philanthropist or going and supporting our community or doing things that's work related. But now we have a secondary market that we can go into because there is the twenty eight to thirty four that finds herself going to five weddings one summer. Right. Exactly. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's about the time yeah. period. That's about the age that it happens too. Right, exactly, yeah. But then that is two different markets yep. because our number one request from a dress and mark, you know, what we're going to purchase, our number one request is dresses with sleeves. Really? I yeah, guess you're, because I guess you're women are older, yeah. they don't want to show their arms, they want a little coverage, which is very different from an aspirational 28 to 34 that might be just starting to get into brand names and maybe can afford it because she's, you know, getting her middle management position or doing right. something and now she's putting, wants to look a little different, wants to have maybe not so much a brand name, but just a quality dress that's right. going to look great on her and that starts to make our focus a little different from what we purchase. So if you can't be Rent the Runway with 55, now they have $118 million, you know, for anybody who's listening, who's starting from the very beginning, I think for us is recognize, we had to recognize with that first buy, we're not going to be that, but we need to be strategic and we need to start to understand what's going to work. And for us, what we found out was fashion forward doesn't work at all. Mm. Two, our, our clients will look and they will see, they'll ask what designers we're carrying, but that's more from a trust perspective. Right. Like, do I recognize, a, a, you know, a name or a brand? But when they walk through the store or into the showroom, they don't care what label's on their back. They just want a dress that's going to make them look 
fabulous. Right. That's that's the requirement. It's not like a purse of shoes where you might see a red sole or you might see a logo. Dresses don't carry logos. Right. And so, so we started recognize that really the names, the brand names that we're carrying were more from a trust and marketing perspective. Well, that I can I can totally understand because somebody wants to make sure you're legit and that you're actually, you know what you're talking about. So quick pause for now, but don't forget to go listen to part two of my interview with Lisa DeLorme. It's the very next show. 